Drake Digital with Drake West and Sid in the morning and the afternoon. Hear all the shows at drakehallmemphis.com. Hello there, happiest of Monday to you and yours. It's the 27th day of the year. It's almost April, for goodness sake. Here we go with that. I checked this day in history. Nothing really happened. So we'll make up some stuff today to go along with, well, maybe making history. I have no idea. We have a brand new Behind the Grooves at 9 this morning. It is the best live rock and roll ever made. A bunch of bands in concert. The mixture is fun. Uh, It's Johnny Cash. It's James Brown. It's Tom Petty. That's at 9 this morning. And then the other program beginning uh, now will carry you through till then. Uh, From England, a British zoo is aiming to bolster its population of endangered monkeys. The monkeys don't feel very romantic. I guess COVID has killed everybody's wanting to be close to each other, even the monkeys. So they they have hired this dude, I swear to God, in a white suit. He is um, on the grounds, microphone in hand. He is singing Marvin Gaye songs, crooning love songs to the monkeys at the Trentham Monkey Forest in Stafford, encouraging them to uh, kiss and play and make babies. However they do it, I don't know how that works. They have chosen Let's Get It On and Sexual Healing Inside the Barbary Habitat Where the Monkeys Stay. They're trying to encourage the females to be more affectionate toward the males that might not be into it. Females in season mate with several males. Sluts. So paternity among their free residents is never known. Each birth is vital to the species, and so they need to make little babies. So they um, brought in this this guy to sing Marvin Gaye songs. He could have saved this guy some trouble and gotten a boombox and a best of Marvin Gaye thing and played it. Yeah, that's probably cheaper. I would think, unless my bro here is, you know, charging some big bucks to be like Marvin Gaye. Uh, just play Marvin Gaye for him. This guy ain't going to pull, well, I don't know. So the monkeys aren't into it, and they're trying to encourage them to make little critters. Um, What else did I have here? Oh, but there's other. There was one. Oh, only humans until now have uh, been known to do this. But now we know that chimpanzees appear to self-medicate with insects. Oh, I saw this headline. What? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting, but. I don't get why it took until now to figure this out. Officials with the Ozuga Chimpanzee Project in uh, some country in Africa, I believe, uh, first spotted a female chimp taking a tiny winged insect from her mouth and placing it on a wound on her son's foot in 2019 November. She then pulled the bug off and uh, did it again uh, with the same bug on the same wound of her son. And they were just amazed that she was treating uh, this little guy with a bug. Um, and they watched over the next 15 months uh, and observed the same behavior 21 times among this group of monkeys. They, their conclusion is that, that chimps appear to use insects as a form of first aid 
as only humans have been known to do before. Hmm. How have we gotten to 2022 and never known this before? Maybe not all chimps do it. Maybe it's that little troop of chimps that have figured it out, and they're the first chimps to figure it out. I mean, why, humans why, why use leeches. Yeah. Leeches and maggots. You're For right. Stuff. They, yeah. Yeah, they mentioned that here. Um, they um, have used leeches forever, and they use maggots uh, as agents for thousands of years. Uh, people have. Um, this goes on and on, and it helps to soothe inflammation, infection, and such as that. So, wow, monkey news. And why does your cat, if you have cats, you know we have cats, too many cats, three cats. One in my face last night. <laughs> Why do cats like like to sleep with their owners? Because they usually are on the couch with my wife or in bed without fail. Cats are often seen as more as more you know they're just kind of kind of arrogant and independent and less needy than some other pets. But at night, why do they curl up and fall asleep at the foot of your bed or on top of your head? There are several reasons why, and they're not that unusual. At the most basic level, cats can't resist being near you for the warmth of your body. Ah. But the counter to that is that they put off heat like a little furnace, and they are really hot. A warm human head is a perfect place for them to sleep at night on your head or on your feet and one of our cats is is in that bed every night and sometimes she opts to be on my feet where I, I can't move I'm paralyzed and I don't want to disturb her Kick but her. when I have to pee she's going to move <laughs> get your ass off my feet mm-hmm. um, so they like that and it also makes them feel more secure because they trust you so either put up with it are, I don't know what you can do. I, <laughs> Throw them off the bed. I had an That's indoor one choice. Yeah, I had an indoor cat named Boo Boo Himalayan years ago, and he would sleep on on my pillow above my head. Yep. And I let him, even though I didn't even think, ah, oh, yeah, you probably just got out of the cat box, and now you're on my pillow. But yeah, yeah, he would do that every day, every night. Yeah, the yeah, the old uh, butt in face trick is not really one that's <laughs> that entertaining. So there you go. Wesley, what do you have to share with the world? I've got this rundown of white lies that people confess that they believed blindly as kids. This is things that things that their parents or their uh, older family members told them that they just didn't question. Uh, and it took them a long time to realize that, uh, that they were being lied to. Mm. There's this one. This uh, woman says, I, I lost my stuffed animal. It was a white dog in the airport when I was five. It was my favorite. I was really sad about it. And a few weeks later, my mom presented me with a brown stuffed dog that otherwise looked exactly like the white one I'd lost. She said the workers at the airport had found it and mailed it to us. But he got a tan because he was at the seashore. I bought it hook, line, Aww. and sinker for a few years. The tan dog is now my son's. That's, That's pretty sweet. pretty classy, yeah. Yeah, yeah sweet. <laughs> Calm down. It isn't that uh, sweet. This, uh, this guy says, when I was a kid, my dad told me it cost 25 cents to change the radio station in the car to keep me from playing with the radio. <laughs> I believed that until I was 14. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. 
Somebody could now make a fortune in this town. Hilarious. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Our parents, when we were very small, convinced us that the person knocking on our door on weekend nights when we were already asleep was our Uncle Shiloh stopping by to say hello. We don't have an Uncle Shiloh. (laughs) It was the pizza guy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, see, these are Reddit confessions, so it's handles, and some of them are funny. Cowtown Man seventy five says, "I was told by my dad when I was about eight or nine that quote the people at the sewage plant have been examining your poop, and you need to eat more fiber." Wow, <laughs> don't scare That's me. Funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice job. Uh, examining poop. Said, yeah. This other one said, my mom told me my birthmark was a coffee stain from when she accidentally spilled coffee on me as a baby, and I believed that until I was like 11. That's uh, funny. And what is this guy's name? Octoling Fighter uh, from Reddit says, <laughs> one time it. when I was five or six, I asked my brother how French fries were made, and he told me they inject mashed potatoes into the skins of the fries with a syringe. <laughs> I believed clever. that until yeah. I saw my mom clever. cooking home fries when I was eight. <laughs> yeah. And Denrad says, when I was a child, I got upset after a button came off my shirt. My mother told me not to worry, and if I placed the button under a rock in the yard, the button fairy would replace it with a quarter. I believed her. And to my mother's dismay, she discovered I had pulled the buttons off each and every shirt in my closet, and to this day, 40 years later, shirt buttons can still be found under random rocks in my parents' backyard. Oh, man. That's great. That's great. Did not know what she was going to unleash there. And this last one... This uh, guy confesses that I was hiking with my family when I was about eight or nine. We were walking along a river when my dad picks up a rock and said, You know, in the center of every stone, there's a tiny drop of water, and if you squeeze hard enough, you can get it to come out. He had me literally trying to squeeze water from a stone the entire hike back to the car. <laughs> Blood from a turnip, water from a yeah. stone. Oh. All in mind of these things. Of, yeah, it is. It's, a, it's like that, the, that uh, song by uh, Cat Stevens. Uh, father and son. Uh, mm. By the time I could talk, I was ordered to listen. Yeah. I always love that song mm-hmm. and that line, too, because it's true. I can talk, now be quiet and listen. All right. Um, along with, uh, I guess, inmates that trade cigarettes for, you know, I guess various stuff, um, there is a bird that does the same thing. What's this story, Sid? For food. Some crows in Sweden are literally going to <laughs> are literally going to work for food. Uh, a company based in Stockholm is testing a program that um, they, I guess, train crows to pick up cigarette butts in exchange for food. For each butt a crow places into some machine, the bird gets a little bit of food. The program won't fully launch in the suburb until the company behind it is certain the waste will not harm the birds. And financing is secured. So, gee, they're already... T- they're <laughs> How do you know it's not already harming the birds? The crows um, being used are new Caledonian crows, which the company founder uh, told Swedish media are among the smartest birds. This, they have the same reasoning skills as a seven-year-old human, he says. There's no crows forced... Do. That's crows what are smart. This, this kind yeah. of crow, this guy says, does. Um, he says there's no forced participation. They're wild birds taking part on a voluntary basis. But if they're going to get food, they're not. I mean, hello. He thinks the initiative, though, could could help clean up the city and slash more than two million the they spend on street cleaning by as much as seventy five percent. 
Apparently, litter in Sweden from cigarette butts is 60% of their litter is from cigarette Eesh. butts in Sweden. Jeez. So, the, oh, I know, that's just, ugh. the ultimate goal, it would be to expand the Butts for Food program throughout the Nordic nation, which sees one billion butts discarded on its streets. I would Apparently, guess that they were a lot healthier than that. Now, in France or Italy... A lot of smoking there, but I would have guessed a little bit more healthy people would be. I don't know. I don't know, but the, it, everybody's they, nervous, man. Everybody's wound they, yeah. up. You know, chain smoke and drink. They did test it in France in 2018, but it says it's not. It's they don't know if they're still used to pick up waste in that country, but they're gonna they're gonna try it in Sweden. Use so. the crows. There you go. This is Drake Digital. What do you believe is the happiest city in America? I hmm. uh, I don't I, they include in this in this story uh, cities big and small. This is Wallet Hub who specializes in these kinds of polls, and they do them continually. And they look at various cities at, for various in various topics, most educated, most obese, uh, whatever the case may be. And they look for uh, and they about 180 is their usual number of surveyed American cities. This one, they went to the biggest ones in America, 180 of them, examining 30 metrics in three main categories. Emotional and physical well-being, which covers uh, how long you'll live and how happy you are, depression rates, your physical health, how much sleep you're getting, not enough is the answer, income and employment, think households that make about 75 grand annually, job security and commute times and your environment and your basic community setting. And they also break down divorce rates, how much park land there is, how much average leisure time residents have each day. And they combine all of those metrics into one big happy fun list. So this is not a big American. Uh, it's a town. It's Fremont, California. Okay. I, I don't even know where Fremont say, is. I, I don't that, either, but that, I was thinking mountains and or coasts. Yeah, so I, was, I was guessing some little town with like 125 to 150,000 people. Well, that's oh, them. That, that's that's old uh, Fremont there. <laughs> Followed by, oh, they're number one in emotional and physical well-being, as you would expect. Good weather. And I guess they're not stuck up there with all the snow and stuff now. Number two is San Jose, California. All right. Uh, of course. Number three, surprisingly, Madison, Wisconsin. Now, they are south of Chicago. They're kind of a suburb, aren't they? Or are they a little bit uh, farther away? But they have winter and they have snow and ice and messes. But I guess overall, everybody is relatively happy and secure and makes good money. Number four is Overland Park, Kansas. I lived there. Really? It's a suburb of Kansas oh, City. Wow. Were you happy? Uh, that was a long time ago. No, I was not. <laughs> no, I wanted to okay. burn it down and still would. But um, <laughs> it was a new um, suburban type sprawling expansion of KC pretty much. Um, it was okay. And I guess that they have expanded and grown. But uh, they're, they're uh, number four. My... Youngest child was, in fact, born there. So ah, I have okay. some good memories of that. Number five, San Francisco. Although they're really? going to be in the, in the ocean <laughs> soon. 
I find that hard to believe because of the issues they're having yeah. with homelessness and uh, they're having some real problems in that city, I, as is most of the, that, that state. I guess, though, if you can afford to live there, you're in that bracket of income that is really yeah. happy yeah, because you've happy. got a whole yeah. lot of money. My sister lived Maybe, there yeah. for a couple of years, and she loved it, but she eventually just couldn't afford to keep living there. It was insane. So in the good parts of it, it's you know artsy-fartsy and beautiful and a nice climate, but um, as it's just you got to be – it's like living in you know midtown Manhattan. It's too expensive. Number six, Irvine, California. Okay. Columbia, Maryland. Sounds like a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. Big winners, I guess. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I don't know, I don't know a thing about it. Me neither. We Potatoes. don't need more than one Dakota. Just lose either north <laughs> or south or both and call it Dakota. Next. You're wasting states. Sounds but like I don't know what they have to offer, but it must be okay. <laughs> Fly over. Uh, what? Flyover. I said, sorry, I was thinking of Idaho when I said potatoes, but I mean, same thing. It potatoes, Idaho, it's, it's, it's Idaho. the same thing. It's a bunch <laughs> of fields and, and I don't know. Uh, South Burlington, Vermont. Sounds romantic and full of snow and Probably cold pretty. weather. Number 10, Burlington, Vermont. What is this, Helena, West Helena? Give me a break with this shit. <laughs> That's not fair. Memphis, West, It's the Memphis, same freaking town. Come on. <laughs> South Burlington and Burlington, please. They probably hate each Me- other. Memphis West, yeah, they they have a you know like we do duels all, all weekend. <laughs> Trench between the towns. Memphis West, Memphis. I mean, come on. Now, now that one though is is legit. Helena West, Helena ain't yeah. stupid. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, here's your least happy. Oh gosh, in the south. And they're all except for one. Well, except for two. All right. Least happy, 173 down to 182. Least happy, Gulfport, Mississippi. Now, that, I, that's a bastion of vacation place for everybody around here, isn't it? All they, they, they got, they had, they have never recovered from all of the oil spills. Remember all that oh, stuff? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. They've had some oh, bad times down there. So I'm not sure how that has, has impacted their, their tourism money or not. Columbus, Georgia. It even sounds depressing. Number 175, least happy because it's a shithole and a racial nightmare. Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, they can have it. That. It's a piece mm-hmm. of garbage. Augusta, Georgia. I don't know why, but it's hmm. not very happy. Number 177, Memphis, Tennessee, oh, which gosh. is last in income and employment. <laughs> Go us. I thought that and was number one in crime. Yes. God. It is depressing, isn't it? Uh. You know, I mean, I don't want to dwell upon it, but gosh dang it. Number 178, Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama and Georgia are on a roll yeah. for suckage. Uh, <laughs> 179, last time I checked, this city was in Ohio, but they still suck. Cleveland, last in, in a community and environment. It's an industrial town with no parks. That's and blue-collar workers that work hard and a bunch of crappy sports teams. Thank you. Number 180 <laughs> is Shreveport, Louisiana. 181, Huntington, West Virginia. Last in emotional and physical well-being. That is one of the most <laughs> backward-ass spots in America. 
as it edges up to East Kentucky. And that's where your real down-home, washboard-playing, toothless, inbred, <laughs> uh, they're all right in yonder, having a he big has. old time. They're just cutting up, drinking moonshine, and they don't care uh, about no emotional well-being. And physical, pff, what does that mean? Number 182, not in the South, last time I checked, Detroit, the least oh, happy American gosh. city. Wow. Yeah. They have tried and tried and tried to revive that city, but it is a, it is to no avail. Uh, it's, it's, it's a strange one. Too bad. All right. This, I, this, I suppose, has been a long time coming, but is worth, worth, worth a, a, a mention. Vending machines, especially ones uh, around the world, are pretty advanced. Even at the airports um, in America, you can buy headphones, you can buy all kind of stuff. Uh, you can buy food of all kinds, even a slice of pizza, which I bet is disgusting. Uh, but now there is a new pizza vending machine that will crank out an entire pizza in about 10 minutes. All right. This, is, this has begun in uh, Toronto. It's called Pizza Forno. And this machine is being rolled out in our country. It's already in uh, Michigan and coming to a machine near you. For uh, 10 bucks or so, they can give you a hot pizza, uh, 12 inches, in under under three minutes. It is wow. fresh, not, not uh, frozen, made uh, by humans, but hmm. served by a robot. They're assembled at a uh, commissary in the area with hand-stretched crusts and ingredients that, that are fresh, allegedly. They are uncooked and loaded into the automated oven of the machine, which is huge. Then you choose your pizza off the menu, and behind the scenes, this this uh, bot transfers the pizza to the oven. It is baked, put in a box, and comes out of a slot in the you know front part of the machine like an ATM. Each machine holds about seventy pizzas, oh which gosh. have a three day shelf life before they grow. Mold and maggots, I guess. Wow. I was going to um, say, they need to be loading <clears throat> those every few hours. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, this dude tried every this. Day. He spent 12 bucks on a pizza. It worked just as it was supposed to. It looked good and smelled great. Although the dough was limp, flavors were lacking. Good in a pinch, maybe. Why didn't the <laughs> robot slice the pizza? There's a slot in the wall to grab a single-serve knife, but the guy didn't notice it. Not really customer-friendly. Or you can buy one that's uncooked to take home for a dollar off. Would you ever eat a pizza out of a machine or even a piece of one? Not yet. No. <laughs> the tech's not, not there yet. yet. If this not is the best they can do... Yet. If this is the best they can do, yeah, it's it's not there yet. I'd, that you know, I'd sure hate to be you know someone desperate on the third day of that uh, those unbaked pizzas sitting oh, there. Oh Lord! Uh, yeah, yeah, even well, if that yeah. part of the machine is refrigerated, which it better be if it's especially if it's meat on it. No, I'm not. No, I'm not buying that. Uh, it uh, it says to uh, look look uh, toward the future, post pandemic, because there's nobody with with you know jobs. 
you'll be seeing more machines like this and more items to buy out of machines in the future. Uh, boy, I have to pass on that, but uh, <laughs> that's well, let, the future of this stuff. We'll let Japan take the lead like they have been in uh, vending machines. You can get some weird stuff in Japan out of a oh, vending machine. God, I bet. Sushi, and you know, I am not buying Ugh. sushi out of any machine, anywhere, anytime. Uh, that's just awful. If it was um, on Earth. Oh, what a horrible thing. Uh, All right, Wes had some dumbasses. What you got? I have a drunk brawl breaking out in the happiest place on Earth between two naked sisters. Nice. This is, okay. Yeah. This says this is an ill-fated evening, it says. It started out the sisters. They're tourists from New Jersey. They were grabbing dinner at Disney Springs at a steakhouse, then hit an Irish pub for drinks. And uh, so that went well. They are 29 they are, and 31 years old. And uh, they had had enough and were ready to go back to their hotel, which was off property. Their phone died. So a Disney cast member playing the role of a security guard helped them call an Uber. <laughs> Uber driver shows up and goes, uh-uh, not taking them. They're way too drunk and I just cleaned oh, this guy. So the, uh, the cast member instead called a taxi, which I guess in Florida can't uh, turn people down if they're too drunk. So while these sisters are waiting for a taxi, they start arguing. Older sister called a younger sister a bad mob and slapped her. Oh, God. And in return, the younger sister allegedly threatened to punch her. The security manager is trying to calm down the situation. And then at that point, the, the females, it says, began punching and slapping and pulling each other's hair. Nice. And this guy is trying to pull these two drunk women apart, but uh, he gets them apart, and then they go right back at each other. And it says one separated. Both sisters ran at each other. Uh, someone vomited at some point through all of this, and the younger <laughs> yes. sister or the oh, older sister <laughs> slipped in that. It's no fell into the bushes. Better. They're oh, still God. fighting as they are in these bushes. And the security guard said the younger <laughs> sister ran a few ways, took off her dress, exposing her breast, Jesus. and they began to punch each other again. Police oh, showed up. Uh, finally, That's a party, and man. got them separated, got them arrested. Because it's Disney and it was late at night, and I guess the security guard was the only one there, there is no video of this brawl, which is just oh, a crime against the oh, rest of us. <laughs> but uh, the police said that the uh, sisters didn't want to talk about it. They were arrested for misdemeanor, domestic violence, battery, disorderly intoxication. Each sister decided they don't want to prosecute the other sister, and the state's attorney office declined to pr uh, pursue criminal charges because these People live in Jersey anyway, so just send them home to fight some more up there instead of keeping them there on the Florida taxpayer dime, I guess. Wow. Drunk, naked, that and fighting, and vomiting, and Disney World. And for the, oh, that would have been and funny for the to first watch. time ever, it's not on video. I can't yeah. believe that. I know. That's what, that's, that is everyone's first move. Grab yep. your phone. Yep. Just Golly. <laughs> All right. Was there one more that you had, or was that probably this, the This is a short one. This is, would be more funny if you could see the video, but uh, you can't, so uh, here we go. Intoxicated passenger was barred from boarding an airplane at Orlando International Airport. She was rode up to the gate, drink still in her hand, on a motorized suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, nice. And she's turned away. Like it, it doesn't say why she was turned away, but she so she just... You know, wheels the suitcase around the security area and just heads back down the concourse. Uh, something motivated a police officer to stop her for some reason. 
It doesn't say what here, but the uh, police officer on a bicycle was chasing her. So she's leading him on this slow speed chase through the Orlando airport. She's on a motorized suitcase. He's on a bicycle, probably walking the thing. And this woman, her name is Chelsea, was later accused of battering the police officer, ramming him with the suitcase, and then doing damage to his patrol car after she got arrested and brought into that. So she was... That, uh, that is really drunk. God, She that, was that, that's out of her mind drunk and faces up to five years in prison. That <laughs> rolled up on her suitcase. I mean, first of all... You're lazy as hell if you can't just roll the normal rolling suitcases that they make because, damn, they're on casters nowadays so they can turn on a dime. But whoever invented a motorized suitcase is a genius. Oh, God, yes. I want one. Oh, that's, yeah. (laughs) Well, load a saddle on it and you're good to go. Just the ones that put you know wheels on them and that was a great start right there those are awesome yeah i don't have one i mean not with the casters but that just changed the world i mean god yeah you know just carrying bags and suitcases no no thanks this is drake digital there are some traditions that are out there like christmas you know that's just always and thanksgiving and your birthday and, and nobody really cares about it it's just a tradition that is in place and has been forever I'm only half kidding. Uh, and Wes found some of these things that are transition, uh, transitions. They are, um, <laughs> uh, they're just there, and some are made up, and some are not. Hit right. that real quick. All right, this one came uh, via Life Life Hacker. There's 13 of them. I'll just hit a couple. Green bean casserole at Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Everyone well, does it, it. it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like it just fine. Yeah, it's all right. There's different recipes for it, but it was invented in 1955 by the Kemble Soup Company. Uh, the a worker there was tasked with creating a dish that used cream of mushroom soup and frozen green beans so that they could sell more of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. It's good, though. That's uh, all right. This one goes uh, only came into real fashion in 1915, the year sleeveless dresses came into fashion, and that is women shaving their armpits. Thank God. Not 1915. Hmm. Yep. There Now, there's women removing body hair that goes back to ancient cultures in Americas and uh, in Egypt, but uh, for generally, uh, women had hairy pits until those sleeveless dresses came into fashion <laughs> in 1915. Yeah, they, they probably had... had had, had hairy everything's, but there yeah, are well, those of a certain uh, you know mindset that still don't mm-hmm. don't find it necessary. Um, it isn't their obligation as a woman to do that, uh, but just because it came into you know it's and there are some that still don't, and that's your choice. Um, I don't know how men feel about that or women in particular, uh, but some do and some some don't. I would guess that most do. Uh, but some of the younger ones that are more rebellious that, that just don't care, just don't care. And if your man doesn't care, then why should it be an issue? I feel like you feel, <laughs> yeah, I feel like you feel cleaner if you do. Yeah, and I mean, you, yeah. how do you get the deodorant to your skin if there's hair in the way? And and and, and that's, you get some of that spray stuff, I guess, right guard. That or just, you just sticks you just in your hair. <laughs> ask every ask every guy who puts on stick deodorant and has armpit hair. It, yeah, it, you just it's, it's on there and it yeah. works just fine. I don't. Yeah, shaving your back is a bitch though. It's 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 it's, it's, hard, it's hard to get to. And That's the older you get, the hair on your head will fall out, 
and you get it in every other place on your body that it does not need to be. It's a pain in the nuts, and it itches. Love it. Love it. But pain but in the nuts that... was not a joke about that either. But... <laughs> Sorry. On that very same point, though, like you said, women shaving their legs wasn't really a universal thing until the 1920s because that's when short skirts started coming into fashion mm. in a very big way. And it wasn't uh, then, well, then by the 50s, leg shaving, it says, was nearly universal. And yeah. so how, how much advertising and marketing affected this trend can't be you know, really quantified. But, you know, once marketers realized, oh, there's a whole new market to show, sell razors and creams to that uh, didn't exist before, and we can make them even more expensive because we'll color them pink, then mm -hmm. I'm sure the push was on in a big way. It's funny that my wife and I had this conversation uh, over the weekend because uh, she was talking about razors. And um, we talked about, I guess, the thing in the toy stores about the, but the blue and the pink and the gender ID with those colors and how they're uh, going to find ways to, to uh, separate them and to... Uh, just just all this, you know, mm -hmm. current wokeness crap. Uh, but she was, because uh, it costs a lot of money for razors. A, a bag of razors, uh, it's just not cheap. But she was saying to look at the ones for women that are pink oh, and they yeah. smell good. And the prices are even higher than men's are. Oh, yeah. And men's It's a razor. Better. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Why should, uh, but the, but the, but the, the uh, pink tax... Uh, she was saying has been around for a, for a, a a while, and just because you're a chick and it's pink, why does it have to cost more and smell good? I don't know about the smell, but the men's work better. I, I've always had a man's razor, I, but for some reason right now I have a pink one. I don't know why. I don't recall choosing it. Maybe it was on sale or... There wasn't a blue one because I'm not a pink person, but I, I don't know. They're way better. overpriced for men or women, but um, I try to use yeah. the blade until it just rusts. Yeah, I keep one in mind until I just until it just won't even shave my neck or my face, <laughs> so I don't even worry about it. Uh, but yeah, it is it is dumb to overcharge somebody for a freaking razor because it's pink. Stupid. Yeah. All right, Wes. What else? This one, uh, this thing was written in the late 1800s by Francis Bellamy, who was an assistant editor at Youth Companion Magazine, and it was part of a larger program of patriotic demonstrations for kids to perform in schools to celebrate the 500th anniversary of uh, Columbus reaching America. It included flag purchases and were aimed at Youth Companion subscribers. Flag purchases was the one of the big reasons behind the creation of the Pledge of Allegiance of the United States of America. Hmm. And there was the, a flag in every classroom in every school across America, I guess, too. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it, yep. it caught on. The whole pledge caught on, and flags were sold, and uh, hey, America and capitalism. But do not but do not force your flag stuff on me, man, because I don't want... I wonder how many schools have removed flags out of the classrooms and the pledge, which is now, I guess, gone from everywhere, right? Well... As a kid, yeah. though, that was a daily occurrence in the classroom. The Pledge yeah, of Allegiance. Yeah. And now I think it probably offends somebody, so therefore everybody is just going to have to, you know, put up with their bitching and their stupidity. And Well, not, it isn't stupid. It's just everyone's need to um, explain why they, well, everybody has their, their own things that they hate and don't, don't force your stuff on me. Okay. 
had, sure. had, had to induce patriotism at a young age and repeat it every single day because it only had about a 24-hour shelf life amongst young minds. So <laughs> Brainwashing. Let's brainwash them now. You're an American. You're free. And these all go into one big category. Valentine's Day, Father's Day, uh, Mother's Day, Grandparents' mm-hmm. Day. All created, not necessarily created out of a sense of marketing, but marketing took over it so quickly it might as well have. The, Hallmark. Uh, I blame yeah. Hallmark. Yeah. Yeah. The woman who created Mother's Day had a, the original idea was to, you would write letters or go visit your mother on that day, not necessarily right. buy her stuff. And then marketing took over and she later wanted to rescind the whole idea. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. She saw her idea get um, destroyed by endless marketing. And now all of these holidays are here and no one gives them a second thought. But Valentine's Day and Mother's Day and Father's Day, all these things are just unnecessarily there. If you only honor those people that you love once a year, well, that's just wrong. But they've convinced you that going to buy a card or something is what you have to do or it'll hurt somebody's feelings. Right. It's about making money. Mm-hmm. Let's just face the fact. All right. Two more of these that I'm going to do. Orange juice for breakfast and a great long tradition actually created by marketing because there was really that wasn't really much of a thing in the early 1900s. But the it says the greatest ad man in history, a guy named Albert Lasker, he wanted to sell more oranges for Sunkist. And he realized that you needed uh, two or three oranges for a glass of juice instead of eating just one. So he invented a juice extractor and created the Drink an Orange campaign to give consumers a daily occasion to consume it. And well, never heard it that caught before. Big. I'll be, I'll be darned. And the last one I'm, uh, I'm throwing out there from this list, diamond engagement rings. As People, opposed to a beer can top? Well, it says people have been exchanging rings to symbolizing their love for thousands of years, but the diamond ring as the de facto engagement token has a much more recent history. Giving a diamond ring for an engagement can be traced directly to a 1947 ad campaign from the De Beers Company, along with the slogan, The Diamond is Forever. I'll be darned. Of course. So if you had, How about you had, that? If you had traveled back to pre-World War II and talked about how you had to have a diamond engagement ring, probably people would have looked at you a little funny. You could have saved some money, too. It it wasn't a thing. It still doesn't have to be a thing. Right? Yes, just. Everybody just, you know, lemmings just follow along with the uh, status quo. That's just the way it is. And nobody objects. And uh, maybe some do. But they are traditions. uh, In most every case, they're to make money for something. And that's just the Mm -hmm. way that the world works. This I found to be. I don't. I still can't can't quite grasp this. Otzi the Iceman or Otzi remained hidden to the world for uh, well uh, for five thousand years until two German tourists discovered its body in a glacier in the Italian Alps. Alps uh, thirty years ago. This mummy is the most famous one in Europe, but also uh, it is unique because of. The Global History of Tattoos. Now, there's a picture of this thing. It is obviously a, a skeletal uh, remain, although there's some skin on it, um, but it's mainly bones. And they found on this thing 61 tattoos that were preserved by the glacial climate. 61 tattoos. Hmm. And they have been uh, debating this since they found this dude uh, 30 years ago. 
Many of them were along the lower back, the knees, and the wrists and ankles, areas where people most often get pain as they age. And some of them are thought to be an ancient remedy for pain in those areas. Oh, okay. Interesting thought, but he had a bunch of them on there. Uh, not all of them were on places that are usually affected by the wear and tear of life on, you know, joints and stuff. There were some on his chest as well. And uh, they're trying to figure out if some of them relate to his uh, beliefs of a spiritual nature or if they were to kill pain. Uh, the one that says guar on his neck is of deep concern. <laughs> and they don't understand don't that one at all. I don't know why. Uh, there were a series of, <laughs> of uh, small dots in many cases. Um, but they're but but they're on him still five thousand years later. That's crazy so, that it's preserved that well that you they yeah. can tell what they are. But he foresaw Guar all yeah. those years ago, and that to <laughs> me is the best part of the whole story. Well, it, it stood for something different back then. It was getting wild among rodents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, okay, I'll I'll just take that and uh, and just uh, go with it. This is Drake Digital. Education, being smart, being informed, learning stuff. It's Your life is better that way if you are smart. Uh, but some folks don't see it that way. Uh, and they choose to wander around in some kind of a cloudy state the, their entire lives. And uh, that's fine. That's why we are where we are now. Because um, of stupid people doing stupid things. But not not everybody is stupid, and uh, people are educated in some places, and some they're not. What do you figure out of all the fifty states, which does count Hawaii, unfortunately? Uh, <laughs> what state is the most educated in America? Would you guess? Me? Either of you? Both? Uh, Y'all still there? I'm yeah. looking at this, so I know it, but I don't know that I would have guessed that. Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Why'd you guess that? You're right, Leslie. I am okay. Just. The colleges there, I guess. They have a they have, they have over a hundred something schools. Harvard among them. Uh, this is from Wallet Hub, who does these rankings all the time. Uh, and uh, Mass is the smartest. Uh, they analyzed eighteen metrics in two main categories. Um, the average share of adults twenty five and older who've been from high school, some college, earned a degree, and the quality of the training and what they learned and how they have used it after they graduated uh, on top Massachusetts all right so let's check and see who else comes in here number two is Maryland which I wouldn't have thought I don't know what schools are there maybe they have uh, a good focus on uh, their pre-k through 12 which is where this all begins and then goes on to the next level and we have uh, up there also uh, Connecticut, Colorado, Vermont, New Jersey. All of these obviously are in the Upper East, except for Colorado, who's out West, I still think. Um, I, I think still. Uh, New Jersey, Virginia, New Hampshire, Minnesota, and Washington. So all of these, um, none of these states are in the South. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we surprised? The least educated people in America, at number 41, Tennessee, Nothing sucks like a big orange. Um, (laughs) It isn't their fault. Uh, All of this. um, uh, 
Uh, Tennessee, after that, is New Mexico. 43, Nevada. 44, Oklahoma. 45, Kentucky. 46, Alabama. 47, Arkansas. 48, Louisiana. On the least educated list, number 49, the proud state of Mississippi. Because most people can't Mm, even spell mm. the name of the damn state. (laughs) There's four S's, two P's, and three, four I's. Number 50, (laughs) West Virginia. West Virginia is last in educational attainment. What does that mean? Um, Places to go to school? I guess so. Or people that uh, take up uh, the opportunity there. Well, it's the group that you talked about, the share of adults 25 and, o- and older who've graduated from high school, attended some college, okay. and the university. But yeah, that's educational attainment. Okay. Well, so things aren't really going great in the South, um, but no one's surprised by that. And then I pulled up this story just, just for grins. They're looking at uh, how long marriages last, in what places, and why. Anybody who is married or you know, has been if you had your, you know, a, a, a test run, um, and you blew that one, <laughs> your uh, starter marriage, uh, which most people have been through that. I, um, uh, but some places, uh, geographically, point to a strength in relationships, along with the fact that once you get older and you realize that it requires paying attention and working at it to make it last then um, things usually go better for you. Until death do us part should mean something, Uh, but in many cases it doesn't. Um, West Virginia, the least educated place in America, is where marriages last the longest. I guess guess you're too dumb to cheat. Or once again, if you've married your first cousin, why mess things up and ruin the holidays and have family issues, continue the bad breeding forever. It'll be fine. Um, West Virginia and Maine. Couples in in, uh, those two states stayed married longer than most. The average is about 22 years, which to me seems kind of short. New Jersey and North Dakota and Utah have the lowest divorce rates in the country. But Nevada, no shock there, and Arkansas. Once again, a place huh. where bad breeding and marrying your cousin has been going on for generations. They lead the way when it comes to couples calling it quits. I wonder why. Well, because Nevada is a state full of sin and evil and gambling and whores and booze and drugs. <laughs> and um, So no wonder. But I wonder why Arkansans don't stay married. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, they want to go explore the natural state by themselves. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That is I'm weird. I'm going to go on a natural state tour, find me a there ain't, there ain't no Ivy <laughs> Leagues down here yonder. No, so, but they got well, yeah. SEC football, by God, and yeah. you better like that. Yeah, the colleges are basically football institutions. That's I mean, pretty much it. Yeah. They, are, they are football <laughs> mills, like puppy mills. Um, the highest percentage of married couples move to this state than any other place in the 50 states. Guessing? Either of you? Couples move to uh, Nevada to get divorced. No. Okay. Hawaii. 
I was going to say that, I swear. Which, again, shouldn't be a state, but it is beautiful there, although it is, it, it's very, it's very costly. Um, they measured 18 different things, uh, the well-being, the share of married and divorced people, uh, the places to dine out and visit, and the overall appeal of each state. Um, as for other places to visit, couples choose Florida, their second Nevada, New Jersey, and Washington. So they end up in Nevada, something goes south there, and they get divorced. In uh, South Dakota, the long-lasting love and marriage, they have the highest score of anybody in the country. What else are you going to do in South Dakota? Um, no. <laughs> you know, I guess. Play in just, the snow? Just, just get hitched and just, you know, just leave it alone. Um, let's see. What else was kind of kind of interesting um uh, there are more weddings in nevada than than, than any other because people get all drunk up and have elvis marry them at the elvis chapel hey, wow. it, it happens constantly i've been to a friend um, who did that it was awesome. what is the secret to a marriage success why do couples last longer than others is there a secret to this um people who are dedicated to their partner, and when they say I do, and forever, they mean it. And there are challenges that come up, everybody has them, and if you turn tail and run at the first sign of an issue, well, that's just the wrong thing to do in most cases. If you marry someone crazy, you learn that you know soon enough, but people that have <laughs> long-lasting marriages want to be in a long-lasting place with that person. It takes time. That's why people that get married really young often don't last. When you've lived some life and messed up enough, you figure out that you better make the right choice this time mm -hmm. because if you don't, you're going to end up alone and dead, um, and that's not really that much fun. Um, it means to stop trying to find potential upgrades. How tacky is that? <laughs> My wife is 50. It's time for a, for a, a, for a brand new one. So go to all the titty bars and find one there. Um, look for the best in your partner and be happy with that. Um, be committed. Um, other things that, are, that, that should be obvious but obviously aren't. Uh, showing care, attention, and concern for each other. Uh, support each other's goals and and you know you know and their their uh, needs from day to day, uh, attraction mutually, and genuine enjoyment of each other's company, and that pretty much I think covers it. I I I also think that if your partner isn't your best friend, and if you don't laugh all the time, you're doomed. Yes, you gotta and laugh I'm constantly. I'm surprised honesty. The word honesty is not in there. Well, I believe that... I guess um, it comes with some of the other things. But communication is also a big yeah. part of this. Yes. Men are notoriously unwilling to talk about their feelings. And they're closed up. And so things get pushed down inside and they remain there. And things get messed up as a result. Men have to learn to open up and be you know, to just to be honest and to express what they need and want and what's wrong. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And once that gets out, everything, um, you know, this, I mean, it's a hard thing to do right. But if, if you are committed and love that person, then you make it work. Or you have her killed. I, I, <laughs> or him, hello. Or him, or him. <laughs> Contract hitters are everywhere. Um, but they're always FBI guys. Why yeah. is that? It's, this just never <laughs> yeah. works out. So um, be committed and be patient and um, love your partner. And don't take them for granted. That's one of the things that we do sometimes because they're really good to us. Usually, and um, you need that in your life. So don't screw it up because it's, you know, you just, it just sucks. So be nice to your old lady and your old man, and they'll be nice to you too. Yes. And get about eight, nine animals to add to the fun and have four or five kids. Oh, that sure. Will, that will add to the... <laughs> Nothing but the, making it better. The chances of divorce will go up tremendously for, well... Four or five kids? I I, I can't imagine. Uh, Sid's yeah, got I, one. Wes has one. I got yeah. two. And I, that, that, that guy's damn near killed me. But I could um, barely handle you know. two probably if I had. But, yeah, it's like my friends, some friends have three. Um, I know I have a friend who is a who has seven siblings. I have a friend who has ten siblings. Ten. No. no. I think she's no. the baby. No, she's not the baby. No. She's like fourth to the baby. I mean, they're all not, grown now, but good yeah, golly, Michigan, but, but what are you still, doing? <laughs> but still, I mean, I I just can't imagine the holidays no. and and just the gathering. You know, I uh, too much, too much, too much, too much. But um, each to his own. And there's also some stuff here about uh, the lack of people getting married, uh, people having any kind of. Um, Intimate relationships is way, way down. Uh, the pandemic has produced a distance between us in some ways, uh, a 30 year low for any kind of sexual uh, contact. They just don't want to do it, don't want to fool with it, and it's just too much trouble, I guess. So that is as low as it's been in a long time. Nobody is getting married that much, having kids, uh, a 30 year low of living with. A partner that's way way down so people are afraid to commit and they I guess are okay being alone um, so um, and it's affected by money and just all kind of stuff so and but uh, it's it's been a long long couple of years for for people and for uh, interaction um, and so people just would rather not mess with it. And that may pass, but for the time being, um, people are just kind of keeping their distance. So hopefully that's, that, that, that will, will change. I, don't I know. bet it will. We've been told to stay, you know, so, I mean, people are used to kind of staying away from each other. So it'll, I bet it'll come back around. I told you to get out of here. Oh, <laughs> but see, now you can. Now you're sitting Keep here walking. thinking. But if if you're single, you're like, okay, I've been not being able to really do anything for two years, or like, you know, go out on dates and meet people and do the normal stuff. So now, but I wonder if people will be dates less picky gonna, because gonna, they're just they're just I dying do, to get I'm, out. I don't what? know. I don't, know? I I don't think people are just going to turn into you know whores and. Start. I hope not. Well, it's I, 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 the idea of dating makes me just 
just just just quiver inside. Find the right one. It's worth it, and it is also worth it after this past two years. I'm telling you, as somebody, take your wife out. Go out somewhere. Get out of your house and do something. It really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Like a date. Be nice to her. Take her out someplace. You know, just get out of that damn house and have a date night. You know, once a week or twice a month, do something. It changes the way. Oh, yes. It gives you a chance to be alone in a different place and talk and have a good time. And then it uh, makes a gigantic difference. So, I don't know. I ain't no expert on it. I'm just saying that, I mean, I've been through some some crappy times and some, you know, great times. And the great times are a lot better. And you make your great times. So, take the time. Pay attention to your wife or your husband. Listen to them and be nice to them. Because if they leave your ass, well... You're in the wind and it sucks. You know, end up in Las Vegas dead somewhere in a casino floor, which is not really a good place to go out. No, no, um, no. This is Drake Digital. 27 Monday, March 2023. About to end the third month of the year, unbelievably. The first quarter is almost over with. Uh, various things going on. We'll cover the highlights and uh, share with you what we want to and what we can. The phone number for you to share with us is 8789420. And this morning's brand new Between the Grooves, my music cast at 9 a.m., the best live rock and roll ever made. A gathering of about 15 different songs from great concert performances. That's at 9 this morning. So that's coming up, and so is everything else. I want to hear something calming. Ten minutes of mindfulness changes your reactions. Wesley? That's right. This comes from the Harvard Business Review, that liberal rag, so you'll make of this what you will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, liberals always love smarty pants. The uh, gist of it is mindfulness itself and the practice of purposefully bringing one's attention to the present moment without evaluation. So you're just sitting there, you're breathing, you're aware of what's going on around you, but you have no intrusive thoughts. You're just there, surrounded by stuff that you hear and sense and see and smell and so forth. And the the idea is that all the unprecedented busyness of life today is making people more reactive, less proactive. And they say that a diligent effect to mindfulness can help people create a one-second mental space between an event or stimulus and the response to it, which can make the difference between making a rush decision or reaching a thoughtful conclusion. And they say it's the difference between acting out of anger or applying due patient. Just that one second can make a whole lot of difference. And then there's a lot one about... Se- All right, wait a minute. What? Let me ask you this. Um, uh-huh. One second seems to defy what we've all learned uh, the hard way, um, let's say. If somebody emails you something uh, from work or elsewhere that infuriates you, makes you crazy, yeah, they say to wait 24 hours until you respond. Well, but here's the deal. If you're just reacting, you just start typing. If you take that one second and think about it, you think, let me give this 24 hours and then I'll come back to it. Yeah. That's the difference there that they're yeah. talking that's about. One yeah. second. That's, yeah, that's a smart thing to do. Wait. And so there's a, there's a lot about how this works in the brain if you practice it. But uh, the five implemented tips they've got in this story. First, 10 minutes of mindfulness training each day. That. Do it when you can. A lot of people do it in the mornings, but do it where you just do it 10 minutes straight where you're just in the moment, 
not thinking of anything, no intrusive thoughts, push them away. Try that for four weeks. It says avoid reading email first thing in the morning because your mind is generally most focused, creative, and expansive in the morning after you've gotten you know, awake. That's when you do your focused strategic work and have your important conversations and, and plannings. Then you get to the email. You don't do your email first thing because you get distracted no. by what people are emailing you. Mm-hmm. The uh, third one of these five tips is to turn off all your notifications. Your phone, your tablet, your laptop. Don't get the notifications. Done. Go in and check. Yeah, yeah, you're fine with that. You have it on do not disturb all the time. We're <laughs> lucky time. if we text you and you reply next week. So that's, uh, no, that's not true. No, 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 I, no, no I, you're, I know. I'm exaggerating. I do. You I ch- do check it to see if people of importance in my life have texted me, like my yes. kids or or y'all. That's about right. it. That's you, that and that's that's what they're saying to do is to have just times where you go and check it to see if anything's happened, not have it on go. So as soon as something comes through, you're starting to sweat. Trying if it to beeps or vibrates, it 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 just sends me a a tizzy. I hate that sound. Yeah. The fourth of the five tips is stop multitasking. It keeps your mind full, busy, under pressure, and makes you reactive. Just focus on one thing. When you notice your mind drifting off. That's when your brain wants to make multitask, then just shut down that and focus back on what you're doing and then move on to the next thing. Easier said and, than done, but good advice, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, they didn't say it's easy. It, it's going to take work, especially if you're used to having a couple things going on at once. And also put it on your calendar to uh, check in with yourself, it says, every two weeks to assess how well you're doing with the previous four tips, just as a reminder to go and see how you're doing with it and to remind you to keep it up. And if it's on your schedule, you're more likely to actually follow through on this. Yeah, that's if you keep things on a calendar. I, I've never done that. I just, it didn't do me any good. Um, well, I mean, you put it on a post-it note that you put on your computer. I have those. Uh, written, I, I keep notes. Um, um, I read a thing over the weekend. This girl, uh, or this, this, uh, this, this uh, lady, did a, a dry January, not with booze, she said, because she couldn't handle that, uh, but with all of her social media accounts. She oh. shut them all down. Uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and whatever else. And she just shut them down. And um, she said that her worst habit was to scroll endlessly all the time. And she knew it was a problem like heroin. So she stopped it and had a really hard time for the first week or so. And um, she didn't do it, but she really, uh, she learned to go for walks, to finish books, to watch movies. And she did not touch her phone for a month. Um, After the month, she decided to go back to two of the four that she had dropped um, and to choose which people she would stay in touch with and which ones that she wouldn't. But she said that ultimately she learned this, that it is important now, a lot more than ever, to reach out to friends you haven't talked to and to see them in person and talk to them, that it is a soul-fulfilling exercise that she will not forget about ever again. Because we all lost contact with a bunch Mm -hmm. of people. I did. And now I have some guilt about it. Um, if it's your wife or your husband, 
you probably got too close and things got maybe tense and it's hard to realize it when you're in the midst of it. Um, getting away with your partner is a really good idea. I can speak to that from experience, that it was a great eye-opening thing to be away from this house, this environment, everything that we're so used to, and to get out. Take a break, yeah. It just changed our entire mood, and everything has been a bit different since then. It just helps. Talking to people and being around people isn't always enjoyable, but sometimes you gotta just you know pick the right people and the right time. But still, I wouldn't get too chit chatty with with with, with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's we, just you. Well, we, yeah. well, having having a couple of of sports during this, we were have still kind of been, you know, in touch with people and and seeing people some. Um, but I'm, you know, if people don't, or if they don't have kids or if they don't have kids in school, then I can imagine how they felt kind of being more isolated than maybe the three of us, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I've learned that it, it, I mean, it is nice to get out into, I went to Kroger yesterday morning by myself, uh, at 7:45 in the morning. Ooh, nobody was there. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were. And, oh. um. Saw people that I knew, and I that I, I always get, get kind of anxious. But it was it was nice to talk to somebody and to see people. But um, and she, and and the shopping experience was just delightful. And uh, they have no milk and no coffee creamer at Kroger in Southampton, Uh-oh. which blows. But other than that, I just digress. put Bailey's. Just put Bailey's in it. Why I bought her her she my wife Ellie May. She drinks this stuff. It's not Bailey's. It's called um, uh, Carillons. Yeah, and yeah, I that's buy it good for too. Her by the gallon, yep. and um, it's, <laughs> it's in awesome. this huge bottle, and it's a lot cheaper, and uh, it helps keep things mellow around here. So it, it's tasty right. too. Yeah, it tastes like Bailey's, but it's but it's better, and Bailey's is overpriced and not worth the yeah. money. All right, Sid, what do you have left to knock out here? Well, here, here's what I found um, yesterday. Now you can explore. And sorry about the freaking leaf blower next door to me. And they just blew leaves in my yard. Oh, oh there, here's some more. What? Here come some more leaves in my yard. Thanks. Anyway, um, Go blow it's them not right my neighbors. It's, it's some yard company. It's not, it's not act, my actual neighbor. Um, you can explore Billy Joel's New York landmarks on a new interactive map. He just marked his 50th year as a solo artist by launching the New York State of Mind Landmarks site. It's an interactive 3D map that showcases 50 New York spots connected to his life and songs. So if you're a Billy Joel fan, if you're a Billy Joel fan, um, you can scroll through the map and select locations from specific businesses highlighted in his lyrics, like Empire Diner, a restaurant mentioned in The Great Wall of China from 1993, to noteworthy addresses that factor into his catalog, catalog like 142 Mercer Street, where he posed for the cover of An Innocent Man in oh, that's 83. Cool. Yeah, and music venues where he's performed over the years, Carnegie Hall, Giant Stadium, Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall. He just announced the landmark site on Twitter, um, and you can even submit a loca- location suggestions expanding the map. So to do oh, so, Allentown was a song. Yeah, um, there are That's numerous PA, references though. in New York. Yeah, but still, it's uh, a Herald Square is mentioned uh, in a song. Um, but uh, yeah, there so, are probably so, tons, there are a lot. Tons uh, more. Where's yeah. and um, what's the um, 
No, that's just that's just a generic Ital- Italian restaurant. That song, right? It's just a generic yeah. about an Scenes Italian restaurant. An Italian restaurant. Scenes from yeah, yeah. But it says um, um, users can submit new location suggestions, expanding the map. So you just add it to uh, fans must add a location name, address, or description, like Billy performed at the Grammys at Radio City, and then that'll be added to it, I guess, after they check it out and you know make sure that so you can kind of help. I just thought that was that was cool and interesting and if you go to new york that's some kind of tour well you don't have to go to new york but it would seem like kind of a neat little sort of interactive tour thing especially if you're a billy joel fan which i am that's something that uh springsteen should do about new jersey yeah 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 but uh many artists that are known for their hometowns could do that too so this is drake digital all right, here is a, another of these slideshows we find from time to time. And they're pretty funny. Uh, they're, I, uh, well, let's just see if they sound real or not. Because on topics like this, I'm not sure what's funny and what is um, annoying and insulting. Conservatives defend their anti-trans bigotry. Okay. Uh, okay, this is a big topic these days, which is the most ludicrous waste of time on the earth. Uh, but it continues, I don't know towards what end or towards what purpose, to protect the children. It's so um, empty and mindless and pointless. Uh, following the increase in hateful rhetoric towards transgender people, we ask conservatives to defend their anti-trans bigotry And here's what some of them had to say. Jeremy Clift is a a financial analyst. He said, for thousands of years, humans only had one gender, and that was enough. (laughs) (laughs) Nice going. This old hateful bastard from Arizona, Paul Gosar, as such a dick, uh, he says, as much as I deny the Holocaust... Nothing would bring me more joy than to one day start my own. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a nice one. Uh, conservatives defend their anti-trans bigotry. Jessica Martinez is a journalist of some sort someplace. Where would we be as a country if we didn't take every non-issue and turn it into a culture war? That covers it right it there. It really does. Yep. Yep. It really does. Culture war, that phrase is, is applicable to the majority of the news about politicians today. Nothing about getting shit solved. It's about just culture wars over uh, things like this. James Ch- uh, uh, Chavez is an accountant. He uh, His comments about the anti-trans thing, he says... I heard they can fly, and that scares me. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's the kind of nonsense, though, that people would would say. Conservatives defend their anti-trans bigotry. Beth Lawrence, a telemarketer. In fairness, I am bigoted against way more people than just trans people. And that also says, it, uh, says a lot. J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter's mommy. I'm doing everything in my power to put an end to Harry Potter adults. And I'm the bad guy. Huh. <laughs> I think that's Harry good. Potter adults? Like people who read it? I don't know. What was the 
what kind of uh, mess did she get in with her comments, Wes? What was she bitching about? And I I don't remember the exact quotes or anything, but yeah, there was a big dust up about some of the things she said. Uh, started, I want to say two or three years ago. Yeah, I remember it. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, conservatives defend their anti-trans nonsense and their fear. It's all fear based on lack of knowledge. This gal is a tennis coach. She says, what if I'm in a public bathroom and I run out of toilet paper and I get down on my hands and knees and reach under the stall to grab some paper from the next stall over without looking to see if anybody's even in there and I reach my hand in and grab a penis. What if that happens to me? You have very talented arms. Exactly. Stretch arms. And somebody has a very talented penis. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, these things, though, you know, I swear, as they are meant to be uh, a satire, they sound more real than they likely should. Uh, this girl is an ice cream parlor owner. Male and female ice cream should be kept separate, gosh damn it. <laughs> All right. Okay, whatever you say, hon. Whitey, no, Whitney. I like Whitey better. <laughs> I'm ashamed. She's a guidance counselor. A sixth grade kid came into my office the other day and said she thinks she is experiencing gender dysphoria and wanted my advice. Uh, I know my rights, she says. And so I said, my advice to you is that you are trying to groom me. And if you persist, I'll have you arrested. I'd hate for any other guidance counselor to be traumatized and almost groomed into manhood by a 10-year-old like I was on that terrible day. This is the world we live in. And those, once again, being satire, do not sound that far off the way some people's brains work. uh, It is stunning to me. All right, there you go. This is Drake Digital.